Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, buds? And in along the wall, a puck to the left point, kept in by Orpik, down in front, a shot, and they score! And it's Devontae Smith-Pelly on a save at a left point! DSP save of the day! We're tied at three with 10.08 to go! How about Devontae? The Caps with life here in game five! Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by John Press. How you doing, John? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I would be doing better if we were uh, preparing for a Game 7 right now. We're recording this on Sunday the 15th, but instead uh, we're here to talk about how the Maple Leafs lost another Game 7 last night. <laughs> yeah, that that's something. Uh, you know, it's always good to know that it could be worse, so, uh, you know... That that's good perspective for, to set the table before we uh, go into the 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 deep the deep dive on uh, what happened this year in this uh, playoff series for the Caps. Yeah, it it is it is important to remember. Um, obviously, local media or former local media was 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 taking some nice shots at Ovechkin since uh, the Capitals were eliminated. So it is good to keep in perspective that uh, those boys in Toronto are still yet to win a playoff series since 2004. Um, and, and I'd say that they have now surpassed Boudreaux level or Boudreaux era capitals for playoff utility a hundred percent. Well, I mean, they're, they're up there, but let's not forget that Boudreaux's team did lose uh, to the Canadians when they were a president's trophy winner. Uh, that's something that the Leafs haven't done. Uh, and you know, the, the number of times that the Leafs, uh, the Caps were upset uh, in the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't run the numbers on that. But uh, the fact that the Leafs haven't gotten out of the first round, but they also haven't won a division. They haven't won, obviously, the President's Trophy. So, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I'll take what we've got. And of course, I'll take 2018. And I know that you were uh, referencing Mike Wise's comment that uh, as great as he is, if Ovechkin never gets to at least another Stanley Cup final, his career will be unfulfilled for most Capitals fans. Uh, that just a ridiculous statement. I mean, there, there are no, there's no dumber uh, combination of three words than uh, only one cup, you know? <laughs> it's 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 just stupid it's just moving goalposts and you know what if you want a second one then it would be he doesn't have three like uh what's his name in pittsburgh or whatever so uh you know constantly moving goalposts ovechkin's career is incredibly uh fulfilled uh for caps fans and i would think for himself uh, even if there are uh numerous disappointments uh along the way yeah, I mean, when we talk about the Capitals and, and current disappointments, it, it seems like at this breakdown day, the mood among the players was uh, was dour, as you'd expect, but but maybe more so than, than the last few postseasons. Um, they seem to think that they let this one slip away, uh, and I, I certainly agree with that. What do you think? Yeah, they did. Um, you know, uh, it, it's uh, for me the bottom line and why this is such a disappointing uh, year is that you know this was the chance for them to um, to actually go out and do to someone else what was always you know done to them, what's been done to them numbers of times, you know, uh, especially by Montreal, obviously, but. Uh, you know, by the Rangers, by just losing to teams that aren't, uh, on paper at least, as good as you were. But at the end of the day, they kind of reverted to themselves. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, uh, the Caps, uh, only the Caps could really, like, take this series that uh, they shouldn't have even been competitive in and shouldn't have had a shot at and turn it into, like, a disappointing gut punch loss. They gave it away. And, you know, uh, I always – it's always hard uh, with the counterfactuals. You know, maybe if Hathaway's uh, goal, uh, empty net shot doesn't ring off the post, maybe if it it goes in and they end up winning that game, maybe Florida comes out – harder next game you can't say well then they're up 3-1 and then they were up 3-0 in the next game and then that would have been the series if they could have held on to that I I, I don't think that's necessarily true but uh, reality is those two games uh, were real big blown uh, blown leads and you know one wasn't a a, a big lead that was blown but it was just blown so late and uh you know, especially the three nothing game. Uh, what's particularly uh, disappointing and frustrating as a fan, uh, and I would hope as a player, is that uh, they once they went up three nothing, they they didn't play the right way. And you know, we hear a lot about the right way and that kind of thing. Uh, but you know. They have TJ Oshie like dangling through neutral zone, trying to make some play rather than just chipping the puck and getting it deep up three nothing. You know they have uh, John Carlson um, trying to one time a shot off the end boards. It's bouncing and it's an unlucky bounce, but you know maybe just put your uh, skate behind it and make sure you knock that down, settle it, and if you have to chip it back behind the net, so be it. You know it's it's veterans making rookie mistakes and. Uh, giving away a game and then, you know, I, I don't get as um, as wound up about 
losing one goal leads to great teams. Uh, that happens. Teams come and, you know, sometimes they, they score. But uh, the 3 nothing one and, and particularly the way it happened was disappointing. And, uh, of course, in game six, the uh, Giroud goal that Samsonov lets uh, through his five hole was just, you know, uh, one of those deflating goals. And what we talked about all season with the goalies is it's not necessarily the save percentage, uh, which, you know, for Samsonov wasn't good all year for Vanacek was, you know, mediocre at best, but, but a lot of it really is the, when they're giving up the goals and the goals that they're giving up, uh, they can just be so deflating when you're, you know, fighting with a, a great team and you're right there. And then your goalie lets in just a complete howler. It's, it's rough as a player and it's rough to come back from. And, um, you know, it, the series wasn't on Samsonov. He was better than I would have expected in the series. Um, but you know, sometimes you just, you need the saves. Yeah. I mean, I, I go so far as to say Samsonov was actually better, not this than, than what I expected, but I'd say he was better than I hoped. Um, I mean, the goal that he gave up to tie that game was uh, was not good, but I'd say his defense left him out to dry on, on multiple other goals. Um, and if I'm looking like kind of for the primary point of concern for me in, in kind of or, or kind of to point fingers, it, it would be for the guys that were, you know, Samsonov wasn't the only cap that was on the ice for every single Florida goal in uh, in game six. So right. That, and, you know, I'm sure that we're going to you, you already touched on him a little bit, but. Um, I, I thought John Carlson was, uh, I mean, I don't know how to put it kindly. He, he was borderline atrocious defensively in the series. Um, uh, I mean, I really don't know how to sugarcoat it. Yeah, I I think the last game stands out. Uh, I don't think he was uh, terrible, actually, throughout the series. Uh, I think I do think the, the last game um, stands out. And I, I guess it, it, the the unlucky bounce and maybe the bad decision in, in that. But, um, you know, I, I don't think to me, Martin Farivari hasn't been consistently good since at least December. And yet he's been, uh, he's kept that top line role, uh, top pair role with Carlson. And, um, you know, it, it, it just wasn't working and they never went away from it. I mean, I would have thrown Trevor Van Riemsdyk up there. I think Trevor Van, Van Riemsdyk had an excellent series uh, and an excellent season. And I think he uh, could really be a terrific partner for uh, Carlson in uh, in some ways because I think he, he settles it a little more. You know, uh, I'm not blaming Farvari for Carlson's um, shortcomings, but at the same time, you know, you, you shouldn't blame Carlson for Farivari's shortcomings. It was just a uh, duo that didn't come together. I thought John Carlson actually had a, a much better year defensively than uh, than he has in the past couple, and you know, I thought his mobility was better this year than it had been previously. Um, but they didn't get the job done certainly in game six and you know it, they weren't alone you know orlov and nick jensen had a rough series nick nick jensen had a terrific regular season but he just got caved in in the playoffs uh it, it very seemed maybe unsure uh on some plays and 
you know, that that's a, a duo that was terrific in the regular season, like like terrific, terrific, like uh, elite, like behind uh, Taves and uh, and McCarr kind of like right there kind of duos. Uh, and and they just weren't, you know, add them to the, the list of players that weren't as good as uh, they needed to be in this playoff series. And uh, it's not hard to see how a, a series in which the Caps had to be near perfect to be competitive. Um, and they weren't anywhere close to com- uh, to near perfect. So uh, with the exception of like game one, which was brilliant. And, uh, you know, they had moments uh, here and there throughout the series that were good. And their special teams uh, were exceptional uh, through the, through the series. Uh, so, but it, but it wasn't enough. I mean, when you're facing a team like Florida, um, you know, you beat them either by, you know, very generally by uh, your goalie being great and he wasn't, or their goalie being not great, you know, very bad. And, and Bobrovsky wasn't, and, you know, it, it's, that's over an oversimplification, but, um, you know, it's really hard to win these series when everything uh, doesn't line up for you when you have that massive talent uh, disadvantage. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I guess, uh, I, I guess I think less of Florida now than I did before the series started. Um, and it's not that I think that their roster is weak. I do think they have a lot of talent on there. I mean, we talked before about kind of the coaching advantage, how how repeatedly on the show we've talked about playoff coaching and how it matters more in the playoffs. And I think generally we saw that here. I think the Capitals were the better coached team. Agreed. Um, I don't have any expectations that Florida is going to go on and do great things in the in these playoffs. Um, I certainly would have them as the underdog versus Tampa. Um I mean, how have your perceptions of Florida changed uh, throughout and, and currently uh, versus yeah, before? I think that's fair. I didn't watch a ton of them during the regular season. Um, and I'm not the first person to say it, but the fact that they were the, you know, cardiac cats coming that had to come back all the time, that that's a red flag to me. Uh, it it reeks of like the early Boudreaux uh, years, you know, uh, when like the flip the switch kind of uh, caps who could show up for a third period and win games or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that doesn't necessarily translate in the playoffs when you're playing really good teams. I, I mean, I definitely thought that they were a team that had enough to take out the caps. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I think I would rather, uh, I, I think, I'd have Tampa uh, in the next round. I'd have Carolina in the next round, and I'd have Colorado over them in the next round. So um, they've they've got an uphill uh, climb. Their their defense doesn't impress me, and um, you know they can score goals, but at some point you you need to also be able to kind of lock it down against good teams and. Uh, you know, they could barely lock it down against the Caps. So, uh, yeah, they're they're probably not going to do the thing. No, and, and but it, it was staggering to kind of see that. Uh, I mean, the cap. I mean, playoff hockey is all about, and and at least I thought this heading into this series, you know, all about the. There was all the talk of how good the Panthers are at coming back. Yes, that's true. But I also thought with the Capitals when they were able to take a lead. Um, 
they'd start to have ability the ability to counterpunch on Florida. So I thought they'd start taking more chances, and that would kind of allow the Caps to um, like utilize their trap and get these kind of um, counterattack plays, like you see if you're watching soccer. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like we, we saw a bit of that, but it, obviously when they got the three-goal lead, but, I mean, what do you think happened in game six after, I mean, was it just a fluky shot that got through Samsonov, or, or how do you think the Capitals were playing after they took after Backstrom's tip in the third period of game six? Uh, I didn't think they were playing poorly. Um, I think they were playing better than they played when they had a 3 nothing lead in game five. Um, Low bar, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you saw it, you saw it basically in game one, you saw the way that... Peter Laviolette wants his team to play and the team played it. And, you know, Evgeny Kuznetsov said after the game, it's not fun to play that, but it's, you know, we can play beer league in the summer or whatever he said. Um, and, but then they kind of got away from the discipline to, to play that. And, uh, you know, part of that's on the players, part of that's probably on the coach. Uh, but they got away from that. You saw it, very loose in game two. You saw it come back and be a little bit better at times um, throughout the rest of the series. But uh, they, the inability to lock it down, uh, lock down those leads in the last three games uh, is not nothing. It's, uh, it's troubling. And, you know, we, we talk about uh, the percentage, the likelihood that they would win those games. And you see like, uh, you know, 95% that they win game four, 90% that they win game five. Uh, you know, that, that I don't mean to be snarky, but that doesn't really consider who the teams are that are playing. And uh, the, the, the Caps have had trouble with, with that kind of thing. But, you know, again, the, the Caps... Um, only gave up seven shots in the third period of that game um, in, in game six, right? So, um, you know, it, it, they scored twice. The The Panthers scored twice on, on uh, <clears throat> seven shots, and uh, you, you just need better goaltending than that. Yeah. I mean, I, look, the Drew goal was bad, but the, the other one was, I mean, that was pretty much unsavable, right? Uh, Pat passed through the crease. Yeah, wide open backdoor play. Carlson just watches the guy get in, like one on none. I mean, it was a bang bang play. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, mean, the fact that they they only gave up seven shots in the third period. You know, that's. uh, I mean, obviously that last that one was a pretty high quality one, but um, you know, it, it the system it seemed to me was kind of was working there for the most part. Uh, and it just, you know, has a breakdown and you need, uh, you need to be disciplined and you need to be, um, committed and structured. And let's be honest, this team often has not been that, uh, you know, they haven't had that structural discipline that, uh, that attention to detail, like, you know, one of the most staggering stats that no one seems to be mentioning except me at, at this point is uh, that they've now had 11 games under Laviolette uh, in the playoffs, and Alex Ovechkin doesn't have an even strength goal yet. That's troubling, yeah. you know. Uh, 
Neither does Mantha. There are other players who don't, uh, uh, obviously, as well. But, you know, they, they haven't really scored a lot of five-on-five goals. Uh, but, uh, you know, Ovechkin's kind of, obviously, a microcosm of this team in a lot of ways. He's never been a, a big attention-to-detail kind of player, right? He's a little bit more of a brute force kind of player. And, uh, you know... It, you need attention to detail. You need discipline. The teams that that are able to to win and compete uh, are the teams that have that. And uh, you know, they they didn't seem to have that this year. They certainly didn't have it in uh, the past couple years. They but uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a it's an ongoing issue with these guys. Yeah, especially when they don't have, you know, that that on paper talent. I mean, it was pretty clear watching that uh, the capital strategy to get out of the zone, if there was any pressure, was to chip it off up off the boards. I mean, they, they were not uh, I mean, there were wide kind of swatches in, in that in, in the series where it felt like the Capitals did nothing with the puck for five to 10 minutes at a time. And despite that, you know, they, they did have good stretches. I mean, they were usually at the first period. I thought the Capitals in general, every first period was a good first period for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the game went on, they either started kind of putting it up the board more, or, may, or maybe, as you said, maybe they're losing focus. They're not, they're not able to pay attention to that details, but that's not what you would expect from a team, as you mentioned, that is full of veterans, of, of, right. through people that have been through the ringer. Um, you know, I, I don't want to give too much flack to Ovechkin. I thought uh, he did his best. I mean, he, he had the great hit on Ekblad to start game six, set the tone well for the Caps. I thought, uh, especially at the start of the game, the team played well again. Um, but maybe it's those old legs, uh, not just the mental aspect, but the team as itself, they just slow down and they're not in the right place at the right time. Maybe it's not because they don't know where they need to be, but because they physically are no longer able to get there. Thinking of a guy like Nicholas Backstrom. Yeah. Uh, if you're Brian McClellan, I know there's still that dichotomy of, you know, we really want Ovechkin to, to catch Gretzky, but the team still wants to be competitive. And, and I mean, I know they at least want to be winning playoff rounds. Um, I mean, what do you think the team has to do to, to, to retool or, or at least start getting some youth in big points or big spaces in the lineup uh, to kind of mix it up and, and to give different threats to the opposition, make them worry more about just the, the minute zone time, make them worry about some on the rush plays. Yeah. I, I think that uh, it's tough right now because uh, to me, the caps can't skate and it's not, you know, it, obviously Nicholas Backstrom is a great example of that. And he's uh, not the player he was, but um they really generally can't skate. They're not, they're not a fast team. Uh, and they're both not a fast team and they don't play fast. You know, yeah. you, you don't have to be the fastest team in the world to play fast. Uh, you don't have to have, uh, you know, 12 guys out there, 18 guys out there with uh, blazing straightaway speed to play fast. Um, at this, on the same, uh, token you don't have to if you have those guys uh with great straightaway speed just because they have it doesn't mean you're going to be 
you know, playing fast. So, but, uh, for the caps, it's both it's they're They are slow. Uh, they're not great skaters. They, and they play slow. Um, and, uh, to me, it, it, it looks like a team that is, uh, a little outdated um, to the way that the game is played now and the way that the, where the game is headed. And I think that they've also drafted that way. Um, I don't see a lot of guys in the pipeline with plus speed or plus skating. Uh, you know, they've been obsessed with drafting dudes out of the uh, WHL and uh, ignored for the most part, a lot of skilled Europeans and NCAA type players and, um, you know, the, the result is it, it's kind of a chicken or an egg thing because, you know, right now they've had seven drafts, um, under McClellan, uh, and they've had in that time, they've basically had, um, kind of old school defense first coaches, right? Uh, you have, uh, obviously Barry and then one of his disciples more or less. And then, uh, Laviolette and they're, you know, you, you have these defense first coaches who want to play a certain way. And I think they've kind of drafted towards that. Um, and, uh, then you have these guys in your pipeline and the guys you've drafted and you kind of have to play <laughs> you know, the way that, that your, uh, roster sort of dictates, you know, you can't decide to just, uh, be run and gun when you don't have defensemen that can skate and can get the puck up. So, you know, there, there are a few guys, obviously, you know, it's a generalization, uh, about where I see them and, uh, how they're doing, but I think that they've kind of, they're, they're in danger right now to me of having the game sort of pass them by and you know whether that is uh the whether that could have been avoided or not i guess is up for debate um you know they they went and won a cup so it's all gravy but you know uh, you start uh, also you know refocusing is that when when guys like uh you know you you've lost some guys who uh who are that kind of speedier um player but you know if, if the coaching was never going to be using them in that way you know what's what kind of what's the point so um it is they're not going to rebuild you know they're not going to tear it all down um they're going to try to keep competitive and keep trying to make the playoffs and then see what happens but uh you know, the roster has issues and, um, it, it's going to be hard to dig out of it because right now, uh, kind of, they're, they're kind of in a spot where their best players are their worst players. <laughs> and, uh, certainly they're some of their most expensive players are their least productive, uh, players and, uh, in some ways. So, um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's dicey. I, I think that they probably need to shake some, make some kind of shake up move. I, I, but I've also thought that in the past and they haven't. So, uh, that core is still here and, um, you know, uh, it's not getting any younger obviously, and it's not getting any faster, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it, it 
It really is interesting. I mean, we talked before about the Mantha Verona trade, and it was, you know, the the best part of that trade, probably from the Capitals' perspective, is you were getting a guy that was going to um, fit into the type of game that Peter Laviolette wanted to play, right? I mean, and you know, whatever has come out about people kind of saying Verona's, you know, not liked by his coaches and all that stuff, which very well may be true, but I, I mean. You and I came into this series, and I think we both put uh, Mantha as the X Factor. He was the guy that we thought would have to step up for the Capitals beyond the goalies uh, for them to win. Mantha had, I thought, one dominant game, but where was he the rest of the series? Yeah, I mean, he he pretty much disappeared. Uh, I didn't like him on the line with um, Backstrom and Johansson. I I thought that was a... that line played slow and was slow. Um, obviously, like we said, I thought he was terrific in game one. I thought he was terrific in uh, game three. And uh, But, you, you know, after game three, he kind of went away. I, I thought he was actually pretty good in game six uh, if we're um, picking nits. But, you know, no goals. Uh, second straight playoff year with as many goals as uh, Verana had. So, uh, you know, you you saw in game one uh, exactly what the Caps see in Anthony Mantha. And uh, you probably saw in games uh, two and five sort of what Detroit saw in Anthony Mantha. Uh, So uh, jury's out. The guy's got to want to give a shit and want to play and uh, engage. Cause when he's engaged, uh, he is a noticeably uh, impactful player. Um, but you know, for somebody uh, of that size to disappear, it's quite the magic trick. Yeah, it really is. Um, another guy we talked about a lot in our preview podcast. He did show up on the score sheet a couple times in a good way. Uh, what did you think of the series for Mr. Schultz? Oh, uh, I thought he was surprisingly good, actually. Um, I, If you were going to have me list the guys who I was impressed with in the series, uh, he would actually be on the list. I, I'm not a big Schultz guy, um, and I think that we've seen the last of him as a cap, probably. Um, but... Um, I, I thought he had a good series. I thought he and Van Riemsdyk uh, were very good together uh, when they were on the ice. And, uh, you know, he, he did some good things and wasn't um, so horrible. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was good. Um, you know, probably uh, one of the more pleasant, uh, one of the guys who, who was better than I would have expected. And that list isn't long. Well, I mean, you you gave me the easy follow up. Who else was on your list of guys that impressed you? Um, well, Tom Wilson in a minute and fifty two oh. seconds of play. Uh, you know, I think I think at some point we should acknowledge that the Caps were without um, arguably their most impactful player, right? Uh, you know, impactful, good, impactful, bad, but mostly impactful, really good. You know, yeah. a penalty killer. Uh, a tone setter, uh, a guy who could have slotted in on that top line or on that second line or on that third guy, for third line, um, you know. So it, uh, that was a that was a big loss, and yeah. uh, just 
they're a different team uh, without him. And um, it, it certainly uh, missed his presence uh, throughout the series. But uh, other than him, uh, guys that impressed me, uh, you know, Samsonov was better than I thought, but not uh, not great and, and not really good enough. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you if we're planning to touch on his uh, status going forward yeah. at some later point. So I'll, I'll just stick a pin in that one for now. Uh, we can talk about that later. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, Oshie, uh, uh, you know, scored six goals in six yeah, games and and that even with that horrendous play in game three that started the big comeback, um, you know, hard not to be impressed by his uh, six goals in, in the games. And, and Nick Backstrom had uh, six points in six games and, and was impactful. And uh, I, I don't think it's a huge coincidence that two uh, old guys like Oshie and Backstrom uh, were effective uh, for the most part, it, despite uh, missing half the season. You know, so the, these were basically early second half of the season games for them because they didn't just play eighty-two. Uh, being injured, this is what we hoped when they uh, were injured it was that it would keep them fresh for a long playoff run, and it you know kept them fresh for a short playoff run for the most part. Uh, you know, Backstrom was miserable on one of those uh, Verhage goals and uh, terrible in the faceoff circle. But at the same time, he won the faceoff uh, that led to the game tying goal in Game Six that put the game to overtime. So, you know, the ups and downs with Nick. Probably uh, six points in six games is probably way better than you probably could have fairly expected from him. Uh, Beyond that, though, uh, I don't know. Uh, Kuznetsov had his moments. Um, I, I don't know. What about you? Is there anyone that really stood out in a positive way for you from from that series? Uh, I mean, I guess we can just get get into Samsonov now. I mean, it's he was just maybe my expectations were just so low. I mean, but I thought really, I only thought he gave up one crappy goal the whole time the, in every game he played. Um, I thought, you know, the Capitals really didn't have a right to be in uh, game game four, I think, was the one where I thought he was really, uh, he stood on his head for him in the first, you know, uh, well, really most of that game. I thought he was great, and the the game-tying goal that they scored with, you know, two minutes left was off of a broken play in front, and the guy, it hit off the post and went in. Um, I, I thought he played exceptionally well. I, I don't know if it changes what I think they should do with him moving forward, but um, I, 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 I thought he was the goalie the Capitals thought they had when they drafted him. I don't remember who said that on online. Someone said that on Twitter, and I, and I fully agree with it. Um, but, but what do you think about him moving forward? Yeah, I, well, I mean, I, I'm not as rosy on his performance as you were. Uh, there were there was some good fortune involved, and uh, for sure he was good. Um, especially what I especially liked about him uh, was his uh, he wasn't letting in the medium and low danger goals uh, that plagued him uh, all season. Uh, then there's the Drew goal, 
you know, yeah. so, yeah, I guess that's just poorly timed and just a complete disaster uh, on timing. To me, uh, I he he went from, uh, in my opinion, um, a guy that I did not want back at at all, really, uh, to a guy who I would be comfortable bringing back in a on a team friendly deal uh to be a backup to somebody more dependable and uh somebody that that gives you more of a chance uh on a regular basis than he does with like a possible plan for, for samsonov to again take the reins after that guy leaves you know whether it's whether it's varlamov for a year or whether it's uh you know, some free agent that they sign or the market sucks. Uh, you know, it, there aren't a lot of guys out there who fit the bill because in part goaltending is so uh, unpredictable, but in also in part, the guys that are up and available are, you know, not, not the guys that you're ready to go all in on by any means. So, uh, but you know, the, they had it. They had the right idea. They had it perfect when they signed Henrik Lundqvist. Right. That that was the perfect situation, and it didn't. Uh, you know, ever since then they've been just scrambling and reeling in goal. And um, and if they even think for a second of bringing these two guys back, there's no reason to expect anything except more of the same. So uh, they've got to address the position and um i don't think it it can be done internally yeah i thought um i mean you talk about the Giroux goal we definitely saw in game two vanacek gave up i think almost the same exact goal uh right right i mean right after the capitals had tied game two i think he gave up a goal to put the capitals back down or or the caps brought it within one and that right right but it was one or the other but right uh you know it, it was there were two like clearly bad goals given up by the caps goaltenders that were uh, big momentum shifters um in in the series so did it, it definitely need an external option i mean I, I don't like any of the guys in the ahl and it doesn't sound like you do either no no uh you know the, the answer is not zach fucali or uh or phoenix copley so and the answer is not vtech vanacek and the answer is sir is not uh, Ilya Samsonov, not yet. And, you know, m- maybe they, I don't know enough uh, about the position or the dynamics or anything like that, but they may also consider um, their options at, at goalie coach. Um, it, maybe that's, maybe Scott Murray isn't the guy there um, to, to fix what they need fixed. Uh, but, um to me, you can't you can't run these guys back. Yeah, throw some money at Mitch Corn. You know, maybe he's uh, no yeah. longer tied to the island. So, right, would would be interesting to see. Uh, John, we're at about forty minutes. I think there's still a couple more good things to touch on. If you've got a few more, uh, yeah, we we talked about Laviolette. Um, you know, said he was the better guy in the series, better coach in the series. <laughs> Definitely think that. Um, just talked about Mitch Korn. Obviously, Barry Trotz is is no longer the head coach of the New York Islanders. Um, you know, he's not going to come back to Washington, but it does make people start to think again about um, 
you know, maybe not what if, but um, who would you rather have right now? You know, t- take the, the history out of it. Uh, who's the better coach? Is it Barry Trotz, Pedro Laviolette? Um, besides just doing the thing, um, are there any kind of gaps in Laviolette's game that, 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 that are really standing out to you right now? Uh, no, no, I don't know that, uh, I, I don't know that there, there's any necessarily a huge meaningful difference between the two. Uh, and to be sure the problems with the caps are more on the roster than they are behind the bench, uh, right now. Um, the interesting thing to me about Laviolette is that he's entering the last year of his contract now. And, uh, we saw that trots in the last year of his contract it was kind of an awkward situation um aside from winning the stanley cup of course (laughs) but there there was you know at least one time in the regular season when they were probably one loss away from just shit canning him in the middle of the year right because uh it's it's not so often that coaches just play out their deals and uh usually you extend a guy uh before uh, the season or, you know, early in, in his, uh, lame duck year, so to speak, or, um, you, you do what Lou Lamarillo did with trots and you don't even get to the awkwardness because you fire the guy before the, uh, before you even start the, that last year, uh, of the contract. Um, I don't think the caps are interested in extending Peter Laviolette right now. I don't, I don't know that he's given them reason to necessarily. And he's, it does have a reputation of uh, sort of losing effectiveness after um, three years or so, three or four years. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to fire him. I, I don't think they're going to extend him. I don't think they're going to fire him because I don't think they want to eat $5 million uh, on his contract this year. Um, and, you know, you don't fire a guy unless you know that you've got a better option behind him. Uh, to bring in so uh, and I don't I don't see that right now um, but you know I, I don't know that they're thrilled uh, w- with what they're saying you know the they the, I think the season in some ways was a bit of a disappointment uh, this isn't a team that's gone in as a wild card uh, in the past um, so it, it's a, a a little bit of a, a disappointment there. And then of, of course, losing those three games where you had the lead. Uh, that's not something that Barry Trotz's team did with a lot of regularity. And uh, part of that has to come down to coaching, but at the same time, you know, this is a team that uh, was a hundred point team, despite missing half missing his entire second line for half a season. Uh, you got Alex Ovechkin is 50 goals with this guy. So, yep. uh, the, the expectations are high around here and uh, another first round loss is certainly disappointing and having four in a row is certainly disappointing. Um, but, you know, I don't know that there's a guy that's a better fit right now for the, this team uh, than, than Laviolette. Yeah. I'm not so sure either. I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, Joel Quinville's not, someone i think he's got too much off ice stuff you probably wouldn't want to bring in um ditto babcock exactly right um 
So plus, I, they're not—they're not, not going to pay six million dollars to one of those guys, uh, while they're also paying five million dollars to not uh, to have Laviolette not coach them. So if they if they were to fire him, they'd probably be going for uh, going on the cheap because you know you're already in a five million dollar hole uh, before you even before you even uh, sign the, the new coach, yeah. you know? So, you know, what does Jeff Halpern take as a coach? <laughs> you know, what, what is, or, or Lane Lambert or, you know, uh, whoever, you know, if you start thinking about guys, if you want to go down that, like, no experience again experience, <laughs> which I, I don't think I want to. Uh, I, I think... Uh, that was the last time Todd Reardon was the last time I want to see that, uh, in the OV era, I think. So, yeah, I think, um, I think Laviolette will be around, uh, unless Ovechkin all of a sudden isn't scoring for a long period of time. I actually think that that is a likely would be the driver of, uh, his departure. Or I mean, if the team's absolutely garbage that too, but I mean, I think this team will be, uh, adequate in the regular season. I, I, I mean, you look at how bad the rest of the Metro was this year and, and you think, yeah, they, they got a, a real chance of making it in again, or at least that's my thought. I mean, what do you think about this Capitals team, assuming they don't make any significant overhauls? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, every year people are ready to write them off and every year the, they're back at 100 points. So um, I think there's probably enough talent on the roster to – to be competitive again, to fight for a wild card spot or, um, you know, maybe, a, a, a spot in the top three in the division. Um, but you know, Carolina is going to be the best team in the division. Again, uh, the Rangers, uh, showed signs are showing signs of, uh, being on the upswing. um, you know, I, I, Pittsburgh's always Pittsburgh. They're kind of in the same boat as the Caps, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of everybody writes them off, and yet there they are uh, at the end of the year, right there. Um, so they, they, those two are kind of in the same boat. Uh, the Islanders, I think, are probably shit. Um, yeah, I don't know who's going to coach them, but that roster is a nightmare. Yep. Uh, Columbus doesn't really do anything for me. Uh, and Jersey and Philly, I mean, they would have to get massively better, uh, immediately to compete, like not just improve, but you know, that's a team that, you know, combined won as many games as the Rangers won. So, uh, I don't, I don't know that, that they're, they're going to scare me. So yeah, the caps should be there again, you know, should be right there. Uh, fighting for a bottom end playoff spot and a chance to once again face a much better team and do whatever they do to give you hope and then remind you it's not, yeah it's not 2018 anymore John it's not no I mean 2018 wasn't I mean in 2018 we probably said it, it's not 2017 anymore it's not 2016 it's not 2010 anymore you know uh, the window was supposedly closed then but you know, it, it, it's just, I could definitely, after game one, I could have seen the Caps uh, and game four, you know, eking out this series. 
But there, there's no way this team was going far. You know, I, yeah, I, I didn't. Uh... Even if, even if they managed to expose those weaknesses that Florida has and hold on to leads, you know, they were they would get stomped by Tampa next round. They they would, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, they, anything can happen in the playoffs, right, John? Yeah. That, that well, is the beauty yeah. Of it. But yeah, yeah I, I I wouldn't have had them as the favorites. I mean, you and I both had them losing in this round, and and they did. And um, but they definitely didn't do it how I thought they would. Um, that, that that's for sure. That yeah yeah they they were they were uh, competitive and in every game, and um, so maybe they can hang a banner for that. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you saw Toronto's coach today said that yeah. uh, this this handshake line was really different. You know, it was much more respect this time. So yeah, that's, that is the saddest thing I've ever heard in my I, life. Maybe it was you who tweeted that. Someone pointed yeah. that out to me, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is this is juicy. That's a that's Nashville putting up a banner type type stuff." So yeah, uh, that was pretty bad. That was bad. Um, which makes me wonder if Barry Trotz might be going to Toronto. That'd be an interesting one. But yeah. Um, uh, when you, if you, if you were Brian McClellan, and there was one move you could make this off season, and this is kind of ignoring what I don't know how much you've looked at Twitter today and, and seen this kind of what what McClellan's saying about Backstrom, and, and it's looking like there's a there's a possibility he won't even play next year. But um, if you could make one move with the Capitals roster going into next season, um, one giant thing to shake it up, what would it be? Um. I, I guess, oh man, it's so, it's so hard to say, but, um, I I guess it would be convincing Nick Backstrom to retire. (laughs) It's like, it's horrible. It's like, makes me sad to even like think about it, but, um, but you know, he's $9 million a year and, uh, as long as he's $9 million a year, even if he heads down that, like, we're going to put him on LTR for the rest of his LTIR for the rest of his career or whatever. Um, you know, that it's still somewhat limiting. Um, but if they were able to get out from under that, that's probably, it probably gives them the most flexibility, uh, to do something. Um, and I don't know, uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's anything else that could could be as impactful. I mean, nine million dollars is a lot of money, you know. That is that's like that's like they could go sign uh, Philip Forsberg or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot of money. Uh, so, what about you? What's your call? You know, it's, uh, it's it was easier to ask the question than to give the answer. That's for sure. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to do another one of these in a couple of weeks, and I'll have to get back to you because I'm still. I think that what's really going to be interesting for me is going to be to see which teams. Uh, I, I really want to see if Toronto implodes on itself. I was, you know, obviously I thought they played a good, pretty good series, but. I always feel like that market's just like one step and that, that organization is just one step from doing something incredibly stupid. And all of a sudden there are just a, I mean, Michael Nylander, even last night after watching that game seven, they were talking about him on the TNT post game shows being a guy that might be up on the block. 
William Nylander? Yeah, sorry, William Nylander. Yeah, not Michael Nylander. If uh, yeah. if William Nylander was available, I mean, I would be going. He he was. He, I mean, it would literally be. I would do. I'd, I'd probably put almost anybody on the Capitals roster up in a trade to try to get William Nylander. I think he was, is. Yeah. He's on an amazing contract, cost controlled. Um, he's an amazing player. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's complaints about his work rate, but I, I think when you watch him play nine times out of ten, I, I don't see that. Um, and he's also a guy that grew up in the DC area and, uh, I think he's got ties to the team. So, um, if I would be looking to get like kind of a mid twenties guy that I thought could help lead the capitals into the future. Um, and I think a guy like that could be William Nylander, um, Philip Forsberg's another guy that's kind of in a similar age bracket that, that might be kind of interesting. Um, I think the team needs, I don't think it's Mantha. I don't think Mantha's the guy uh, that they were kind of looking for. Another like kind of extend the window type guy. Um, but I, I think the Caps need something like that, especially a guy with speed. I, I really thought that um, they only had one way to score against Florida. I, I mean, how many other, I mean, what percentage of their goals came on the power play? I mean, right. or, or a nice like grinder out goal from like the fourth line. But, you know, where's the dynamic offense from the the first two lines? I just didn't see it. Uh, no, not and, at all. And you did see it from Florida. Grant that Florida's built on. But Tampa, I mean, look at the Capitals in 2018. Look at these teams that win. And they have players that make game breaking plays every now and again. And the Capitals have been trained, getting rid of those guys for years and it shows now on the roster. There's no more Burakovsky. There's no more Verona. There, no, you know, where is the? I mean, you you wrote articles about it back in the day about kind of these these game breaking players. And I right. mean, do the Capitals have any of those under the age of 28? Do the Capitals have any of those? Full stop. I yeah. mean, I, sure, Kuzi and theoretically Ovi uh, in some ways, but. Um, yeah, no, they they don't. And part of that is the cost of winning a Stanley yeah. Cup, and you'll gladly take it. But uh, you know, part of it is a little self-inflicted as well. And um, you know, they 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 have coaches who want who like certain guys or want to coach certain ways. And if you don't fit in that, um, I guess you're gone. And it, eventually so is that that coach and then you're what are you left with so uh it's hard it's it's there's no uh there's no way to to dig out of that and it's you know to the point we were making about drafting earlier you know that that's uh it's put them in a in a spot that to me if i if it was me i'd be taking some more swings uh at the draft uh, but I would have been all along too. I think that they've been, their drafting's been a little outdated uh, for for a while now, and it's uh, it's certainly begun to show. But again, you know, it's also a team that's been drafting in the twenty in the low twenties uh, for fifteen years now, basically. You know, uh, so it they haven't. It's not like they they've got Barkovs and Huberdos and Ekblads because the, those guys were all you know top two three picks for Florida in the uh, in like 2014 ish uh, area and that kind of thing. So you know it, it it's uh, 
you understand where it comes from and you have to be realistic about expectations and look at it. It may seem dire, uh, when we're looking at the caps in a bubble, but you know, you also need some perspective on, uh, what other team, what other teams have done. And so your expectations can be, uh, realistic. And, uh, you know, of course we'd love every first round pick to be uh, a great player, but, you know, that's not reality uh, when you're picking in the low twenties and they've done pretty well there, uh, drafting there. But, uh, yeah, they, the, the lack of game breakers is, um, is concerning. And it, again, it, to me, it goes back to, um, to speed and skating and they they just don't have enough there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's certainly a little dire. And I, I know our, our old friend, Corey, uh, Pronman likes to write about how bad the Capitals prospect pool is. Unfortunately, I think he's usually right. Um, especially right now, it's a bit dire. Um, all right, John, this is, this, these are the, the last meaty questions. The Capitals, according to cap friendly, I'm looking at right now. And these include some guys that aren't regular on the roster have six UFAs. All right. We have Mojo, Johan Larson, Justin Schultz, Michael Kempney, Matt Irwin, Phoenix Copley. All right. Are any of them going to be back next year? Um, read me the guys again. Mojo. Yeah. Johan Larson. Yeah. Justin Schultz. Michael Kempney. Matt Irwin. No, no. Those guys are all gone. Okay. All gone. See ya. Yeah. I think you are correct. And it not, be. Yeah. Not one of those guys. I mean... Yeah, Hansen did some fine things, um, but no, he's not part of the future. Yeah, I wonder if I'd keep Mojo if it was around. It says he was only seven hundred fifty k cap hit this year. I mean, if that's true, I mean, I'd take him for seven fifty, right? Yeah, but I mean, think about think about who that pushes out. Then uh, you know, at some point, you want opportunities for. Connor McMichael and uh, for for some of the young guys that might might have some upside. Um, I don't know. Uh, sure, run it back with Marcus Johansson and his you know two percent shooting percentage <laughs> or, or whatever. The guy who had like uh, the worst goals versus expected like eight years ago when they used to we used to be able to get that data. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and. Yeah had a breakaway in game four that would yeah. have cemented it. And you wouldn't even have needed Hathaway's, uh, empty netter, empty netter right? Yeah, that's, that is true. That was, that was a thing I do. I do recall. Um, well, I guess it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting off season for the capitals, John. I, I think you're definitely right. Um, th- this is the last guy. I mean, you already kind of talked about what moves you'd make, when we did this podcast at the end of last season, um, maybe even when we did during the summer, uh, and correct me if I'm misrepresenting your viewpoint, you were a like 95% ready to move on from Evgeny Kuznetsov. Where do you feel about, what do you feel about him today? Uh, I think, I think he's, uh, you, you can't move on from him now. I think he had a much better year this, this season. Um, and he, you know, I don't think you can move on from him because you don't have anything uh, there. You know, with Backstrom being ineffective or maybe not even there, Lars Eller had a 
bad year. Um, I thought he was better in the playoffs, but, um, you know, it's not a guy I would ever count on for being my, you know, top six center anymore. And if he ever was, um, you know, I do like McMichael at center more than I like him on the wing. Um, but I think that Kuznetsov is probably uh, here to stay. And I think he deserved it. He had a, he had a better year this year. Um, he did things. I mean, he, I, I don't think that he was unfairly maligned. Uh, I think it was fair, the, the shit that he was getting um, for the way he had played and, you know, some of the off-ice stuff. And I think he turned a lot of that around. Um, I'll tell you one thing, like if, if Evgeny Kuznetsov made the play in game four or in game five that, uh, Oshie made trying to dangle through the neutral zone and it ends up in the caps net two seconds later, he's like run out of town on a rail, you know, but because it was Oshie, everybody's like, Oh, it wasn't. Yeah. He might've made a mistake, but they had plenty of time to rebound to, you know, to, get in defensive position and, you know, all this other stuff. And, you know, it's it just a bit of a double standard there, but, um, I don't know. Uh, I think Kuznetsov's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with him being there and, um, you know, uh, hopefully he continues to play more or less as he did, uh, for this year. Yeah. Wildly impressed with him this year. Uh, I think they definitely made the right choice, not trading him for pennies on the dollar. And he's been, um, I mean, seven eight for for him playing like this. That doesn't sound like a bad deal in today's market. Yeah. Um, John, is there anything that I did not touch on that you would like to talk about? I mean, we kind of steered away from Ovi a little bit. Uh, you did mention him not scoring at all at even strength. Anything there? Or? Uh, no. Um, uh, no. You know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I, I really, um. No, he had a good, uh, you know, he scored 50 goals at like whatever age he's at, like 58 years old or whatever. And uh, that that's great. Um, he did his thing. Uh, I think that there might be a reckoning for to kind of to be realistic about the player that he is now. Uh, and uh, if he's a guy who can get you 50 goals, uh, 40 goals, whatever. That's terrific. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think realistically the Caps can expect him to uh, lead them and be the guy uh, that's going to lead them to another Stanley Cup right now without a much better supporting cast. Um, which was always the case, yep. realistically. Like nobody, you know, nobody is the guy that gets you to the cup. Uh, it, you know, it's about supporting cast and this team's supporting cast, uh, wasn't good enough. Uh, and right now, uh, it's, it's regular season good enough. It's get to the playoffs good enough. Uh, but they were never a serious contender, um, with this roster. And, uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't think Caps fans are okay with that, uh, and uh, I don't think that the Caps uh, management should be okay with that. I don't think they are. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I don't think blowing it up is the right call either, because uh, I, I do think there is a pretty strong desire in the fan base and in management to have a team that's competitive enough in the short term to still kind of 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, contrary to some uh, online opinions, this fan base does care about more than just Ovi's chasing uh, Wayne Gretzky's goal record. Uh, this fan base cares about uh, winning and uh, being competitive and being contenders. And, you know, maybe we've been spoiled by it by having 15 years of uh, basically uninterrupted playoff uh, opportunities. And most of those with teams that were legitimate contenders. Um, but that's what we've come, we've become accustomed to. And, uh, you know, some other franchises I'm sure would be thrilled just to make the playoffs, but, uh, I don't think that's where caps fans are at. I don't think that's where, uh, caps management is at. Yeah. I think you are probably right on that one. Well, John, I uh, appreciate you taking the time on your Sunday to, to, to join me and, and to kind of break down the caps. It's uh, it's never a fun episode to have to do, um, but I do think we're going to have a more interesting summer than we maybe saw last year. Probably. Well, I'm sure uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have you on again to talk about that soon. All right. All I'm right, looking John. forward to it. All right. On behalf of myself and John Press, thanks for listening to this episode of Jaber's Ring Radio. As always, we appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, listen to us blather on about the Capitals. Really, me. John doesn't do a lot of blathering. That, that's definitely an Adam problem. One of, some of my questions go on for about five minutes. But thank you all, and uh, we, we look forward to being back on your airwaves soon.